Hello and welcome to the debut episode of the Power From Poor podcast. I'm your host Jamie and tonight I'll be going over my reflections of the great man Travis Boak who's set to play his 300th game in round 19 against the Collingwood Football Club. Uh, but first of all I'd just like to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Jamie like I said from the top of the episode. Uh, I am born and bred South Australian. I grew up predominantly in the northeastern suburbs and I have been a long-time Port supporter throughout. Um, I've been a member now for about 13 seasons. Uh, I've been going to the football for a number of years before that, but uh, somewhat intermittently. Um, I didn't play too much junior football as a kid growing up. I played a bit of school football here and there, but nothing really to write home about. So my lust for sport um, and football in general uh, came a bit later, more so in my teens. Um, I kind of remember my early memories of going to the football was uh, obviously with my dad, as I'm sure a lot of uh, young boys have those memories. Um, he used to work for a company called Goodman Fielder, who owned a corporate box at Amy Stadium. And, um, you know, sometimes he got to book that out and bring some friends and family along. Uh, with him um, and uh, just coincidentally actually we played Melbourne a few times uh, so yeah, like I said I don't know if that was a coincidence or if Melbourne at the time didn't really draw too much um, of a crowd and uh, the corporate boxes were <laughs> there to be had but um, yeah I just remember being a young kid and tucking into the spring rolls and party pies that used to come around and getting free soft drinks all night um, as I mean, in regards to watching the football, I don't know how invested I was, um, but some early memories there and fond memories uh, being with your family and in that environment growing up. Um, basically, uh, my reasons for doing this podcast, I've been mulling over it for a, quite a while. Um, I love my football club. I'm rusted on, like I said, this was this is my 13th season as a member and um yeah, I just, I consume a lot. I consume pretty much all there is to consume in regards to Port Adelaide Power content um, and figured, you know, why not put my hat into the ring? Um, always good for a, a chat about football and, and an opinion, especially about Port. Um, so, yeah, why not? Um, uh, my aims for this podcast, if it gets up off the ground further than a pilot, um, I would like to do some previews and reviews and things like that but uh, tonight I'm just going to go over my reflections of yeah Travis spoke like I said at the start of the episode so without further ado um, I'll get into it so uh, to talk about Travis spoke I probably have to talk about my early memories of going to the football um, uh, and that obviously starts in 2007 um, at the time, I lived in Salisbury with, uh, well, my dad lived in Salisbury, so we were close to Amy Stadium, and um, I was about uh, 12, 13 years of age, and um, it wasn't too far to go. Um, I was, you know, growing up a little bit, so uh, it was a great bonding opportunity uh, for my dad. I mentioned, obviously, before about going to, you know, the occasional game of corporate box as a kid, but nothing too consistent, but I think I went to about six or seven games in 2007 and as everyone knows the 2006 draft in particular um, brought us a lot of great young players um, one of course being Travis Boak and uh, 
that 2007 already provided us with some glimpses of some other people in his draft year. Obviously, the big ones being Justin Westhoff and Robbie Gray. But earlier that year, we'd also seen Nathan Cracker, who was a, a bit of a standout um, in some categories in the draft combines uh, of 2006. Um and I, to be honest, I kind of look at 2007 is, as Port supporters, it's it's a bit of a rough year to talk about. It's a bit of, um, you know, you kind of sweep it under the carpet and try and pretend it doesn't happen in some regards. Obviously, I don't need to go over what happened at the end of the year. We all know we all suffered together, um, most of us anyway. Um, but I, I kind of look at 2007 fondly because... That's that, that kind of marks the beginning of my, you know, my lust for football. Um, and, uh, you know, at Port Adelaide has been privileged to have many, many legends play for the club and especially um, the power of the early 2000s, uh, having the likes of Tread Ray, Josh Ranku, Matthew Primus, um, Brendan Laid, um, those real superstars of our club. Um, but... I don't. I have very vague memories of them in their heyday. Um, obviously, the premiership was won in '04. I was um, I was 12 at the time, uh, I think, or 11 when we won that premiership. So very vague. Um, and uh, as much as I appreciate those players, uh, Gavin Wanganin, uh, Roger James being another couple, and I've don't worry, I've definitely um, sunk my teeth into the Port Adelaide 04 victory pack and the grand final plenty of times since. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really get to appreciate their careers like, um, you know, like my dad would have and, and people of that generation before me. So, you know, 07 for me was was the year. It was a great year um, in terms of the minor round. We had some great wins. We obviously saw these great young players and... Um, you know, had things gone a bit differently um, the last day in September that year, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't maybe be as uh, maligned to talk about as it is now. Um, we finished second. Um, well, we were smashing some teams. We were on a real roll. We had that kind of blend of the old, uh, so there's premiership players, Daryl Wakelin as well, and then the new coming through. Um and yeah, you know, can't take it away from me. I, I do, I do look at that year fondly, apart from the obvious at the end. So, uh, I guess back to Bokey. Um, if anyone remembers the old SANFL system, when you got drafted by an AFL club, like the Crows or the Power, um, you got put into a mini draft and picked up by um, the SANFL clubs, various SANFL clubs. And I remember Bokey was playing um, Glenelg reserves at the time after being picked and in that draft uh, people were watching our first pick um, with a bit of angst maybe or watching with a keen eye definitely because obviously Joel Selwood was picked pick after him um, so that whole year was kind of like looking at it uh, from the point of view of what you could have had and what you do have and uh, Bokey was not really setting a world alight in the SANFL, like I said, playing Glenelg reserves. and But Choco uh, saw enough of him, obviously, to give him his debut. And um, 
that was in round 12 of that year, 07. I'd actually forgotten, but it's actually a game I went to and I, I listened to the Creedcast um, earlier. Um, it's a great podcast. Dave is his name. Um, he was talking about it and it um, reminded me uh, of that game. And yeah, look, Bokey was a young player. He hadn't, you know, an okay game. We kind of saw bits and pieces of um, what he could do for the team, but very fresh nonetheless. Um, uh, you know, the debut wasn't much to write home about. We were smashing Essendon at three-quarter time, and then I don't think we kicked a goal in the last quarter. <laughs> I remember going home um, and kind of – it felt like a bit of a loss, but we ended up – we still won by about five goals. But, um, yeah, um but saw saw Boki in his AFL infancy, and then seven rounds later, uh, I again was at the football um, against Carlton, and which was his breakout game. It's the game that he ended up getting the Rising Star nomination for. Um, and you knew after that game that yeah, we'd finally uh, got enough body of evidence and, you know, he got 28 disposals. He kicked a couple of goals and was finally looking very comfortable at the level. Um, and that kind of <laughs> reassured most people that our number one pick wasn't, you know, flushed down the toilet or, or, or anything sinister like that. Um, he was looking very comfortable, played out the rest of the year uh, right up until that grand final. Uh, in the year. So um, that breakout game in particular against Carlton, that's the one that uh, sat with me vividly. Uh, I, you know, quite lucky, you know, to have those, to have those moments in reflection now, uh, all these years gone by. Um, and just on a side note, um, Carlton actually came back and put a lot, put us under a lot of pressure in that game. So for him, um, as well as a group of others to stand up, put their hand up and um, help us, you know, secure the win in the end is a great effort and probably went along to helping him get that rising star nomination in that round. Um, so that was 2007. Uh, we knew we had one and year on year after that, he kept building, building and building and building his game um, between 08, 09, 10. Uh, and then obviously in 2011, which, um, obviously it wasn't a great year. Again, I don't need to talk too much about the the negatives from that year, but um, uh, 2011, another uh, vivid memory for mine uh, was the first game at Adelaide Oval against Melbourne. Um, and credit to Mark Hazeman at the time, who was the, um, in charge of uh, the power, orchestrating uh, the move to Adelaide Oval and that being kind of like a, a showcase game for the year. Obviously, we're quite lucky that there was the expansion club in Gold Coast that year, um, pre preventing us from winning the wooden spoon. However, we did have to win that game against Melbourne um, to seal the deal in, in uh, avoiding the wooden spoon. Um, but the, the so everyone went to the game. There was a, obviously a lot of angst. The club, was in a real kind of pit. There was some guys coming to the end of their careers, playing for their careers. And yeah, we just kind of had to do all we could to get over the line in that game and get the four points. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, 
So obviously quarter time rolls around. Uh, Boki has got the ball. I can't remember if he took a mark or got a free kick, um, but he's outside 50. He's way past his length in terms of a drop kick, uh, drop punch, should I say. And, uh, you know, when you're outside 50 and you're too far to kick it, um, you've got license to, to do one thing, as we all know. And, like, there was a lot of angst in that first quarter. Um, you know, a lot of toing and froing. We couldn't quite get the game on our terms. And uh, Melbourne were, you know, Melbourne were 10 points in front. But it, it just felt in the crowd that, like, if we didn't, yeah, if we didn't get things going, it could have maybe got out of hand. And then, you know, he did what everyone's seen and he could not have hit that ball any better. He uh, lined up for the top and he split the middle of the goalposts. And after that, from that moment on, we got our game going. The game went through some twos and fros. Obviously, from the outset, we weren't a fantastic team. So we had to kind of dig deep. And um, Melbourne, in the end, they rallied, they got back in front, and there he was again, Bokey bobbed up, uh, kick, kicking his, I think it was his second goal, I'm not sure if he kicked any more than that, um, kicked his second goal to put us back in front, we built a bit of the lead, and then we kind of had to hold on um, in the end there, uh, right up until the end there, <laughs> and um, being 2011, you you didn't quite believe that you'd had it won um, until that final sign went, and it did, we avoided the wooden spoon. Um, so that's another vivid memory from 2011 and 2011, obviously, as everyone knows, uh, uh, Bokey shared the John Cahill medal with Jackson Trengove, another key figure in kind of the turning around of our club, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, so building from his debut up until 2011, 2011, having his best year, winning the John Cahill medal, um, really kind of showed his, I mean, we didn't need convincing, but showed his value to the club and to the team. And everyone knew that in a year's time, his contract was up. So around came 2012 and again, another really poor year for the club, albeit in terms of win loss better than 2011, but still very, very average in a Port Adelaide sense. You know, we strive to be the best. Um, and uh, I looked before and uh, Bokey played 18 games, but my kind of memories for that year, I, I kind of, I'm not sure if this is true or like, you know, my memory fades over the years. I'm nearly 30. So, um, uh, I kind of remember him being a bit up and down that year. I'm not sure if he was struggling with injury or, or just form coming off the back of that, um, best and fairest year, the year before, but he was up and down a bit. Um, in my memory, and uh, wasn't quite dominating games like we thought he might, um, but doing well enough. Um, I actually uh, watched the the Pair YouTube channel, and uh, Anthony mentioned uh, the Gold Coast game that year, which I'd forgotten about, but it flicked a switch in my head, and I, I picked up some memories along with what he was saying. And, and like he mentioned, um, uh, Bokey was... Uh, he, he played a great game. Uh, he kicked three goals. And uh, after that, it was uh, kind of like, uh, 
you know, like, bloody hell, we're going to lose this guy. Um, And he's finally got himself back into form. Um, Not that we had any finals to play that year, but, yeah, um, as was the trend at the time, and even still in this free agency period um, that we have these days, um, you know, uh, if a player hasn't signed, the closer and closer it gets to the end of the season, the more likely it is that he's going to go. And uh, obviously, we all know about uh, Geelong's cheekiness in trying to uh, in coming over to Adelaide and and trying to convince him to to jump ship. And you know, like that that whole episode has been talked about and talked about and talked about over the years. Um, obviously, probably every milestone game for Travis spoke up until this point, um, it gets brought up. Um, but you know. 2012 end of contract and the writings on the wall I, uh, being a teenager at the time I can't really remember um, you know what I thought was going to happen um, I'm generally a pretty optimistic person but I'm more so you know I kind of believe these things when they happen obviously a lot of speculation going around but you know I generally sit in the I'll believe it when it happens camp and but I remember my dad, he's quite passionate. He wears his heart in his sleeve, um, much like I do. <laughs> I've got it from him. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, he was convinced. He, he was convinced that he was going to go. He was quite sad. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are the same, but his emotions day to day in footy season, uh, you know, rely heavily on Port's win loss. And, and then the, the important things that happen off the field too, like, Traps were exciting, but he was convinced. And I mean, with Geelong, uh, Joel Selwood, Chris Scott, and the like coming over to talk to him, I mean, they they'd won the premiership the year before, so you could you could see it happening. The writing was more or less on the wall, um, and he was in his prime to be picked up and injected straight into that team. And you could have you could have envisioned them going on to win. You know, that was their third in five years. They could have won another three, you know, um, as it looked, especially adding another high-caliber player like uh, Travis Boak. But as we know, um, news started to trickle in after that uh, and the word got out that he'd signed on with Port. And it's moments like that that I'm truly grateful for. And it's a huge credit to the man, um, with a guy from, you know, Torquay, we, we've heard the story, Victoria uh, losing his father uh, and whatnot, it, it could have been easy, but I'm truly grateful for for what he did and, and it kind of paved the way for um, the vision that he and other players had behind closed doors in rebuilding the club from being that cellar dweller to getting it back to where it needed to be. And again, I uh, alluded to Jackson Trengove before. He played a big part um, in that as well. Uh, but Bokey kind of finished that one-two punch, those two key pillars uh, that we needed. And um, obviously, Matthew Primus going out uh, at, in 2012. Um, Ken Hinkley coming in 2013. And... Uh, I guess to go along with that too, Ken obviously made him captain and that was another thing in 2012. You could see him, like he, as Ken said in some of the video, he was the obvious choice. If it wasn't him, 
and not to take anything away from Dom Cassisi, um, Dom was a great player in my opinion. He played his role, um, but it was kind of at that point where if he was going to keep playing some good football, he needs to kind of step away. And yeah, Bokey was that obvious choice. So Bokey got made captain for the 2013 season and um, just led from the front. You know, you just have to follow him on social media and the like just to see how much work he puts in. And if you do, I don't need to go over it with the people that do. You just build that respect for him and what he does and um, the amount of work he puts in. But he's a true leader. And I guess um, especially in that 2013 and 14, um, those seasons, uh, my memories of Bokey as captain is he he just stood up and kicked those handy goals when you needed him to. Obviously, he did his thing in the middle, and he's a champion. He was an All-Australian in uh, those years. Um, and we already knew he was good enough in the midfield. But I don't know. He he just seemed to impact when you needed him to. Some, um, some memories of mine of that 2013 year at Footy Park um, were games like the showdown and that comeback win, well, the comeback win against the Crows in the second showdown, uh, but the comeback win against West Coast as well. He just bobbed up when he needed him to, and he'd kick a goal, uh, a captain's goal, as as they like to call it. And, you know, some. let's be honest, some of these memories aren't really you know, they wouldn't feature probably in the AFL's top highlights reels or anything like that, but that doesn't matter to me. Um, it, it just goes to show that Travis Bogue is a consistent, reliable player and he always wins or beats the opposition by the hard work he puts in. But especially when he got made captain in particular, he, and when he needed to make a statement as captain, he did. He he kicked those goals and um, impacted on the scoreboard when you needed him to. And, you know, uh, to, which would turn momentum in our favour. And, you know, there's a lot to say that if he didn't bob up and kick those captain's goals, that we may not have, um, you know, won that uh, that game against West Coast at Adelaide Oval, which I think was Kane Corn's 250th, if I am remembering. I think it was a milestone game. but. Um, yeah, you know, if he hadn't bobbed up and kicked those goals, then, um, you know, we may not have won. Uh, so going along in the the years after that, um, as we all know, maybe him kicking those goals, captain's goals, uh, led to that move, as we all know, Ken putting him in the half-forward line. But, uh, yeah, um, look, it's seen as a bit of a mistake and look it, you know, I, I, it doesn't help that we weren't winning games um, and you could argue that we weren't really featuring uh, well in those games because he wasn't in the middle obviously a team of 22 has to get the job done but um, it's funny to think that even with those uh, the move to Half forward, I believe he was actually putting up um, uh, league 
um, in regards to the league, good numbers, uh, which kind of, again, reflects the hard working nature of Bokey. Uh, it, <laughs> he probably didn't like it. I know us as supporters didn't really understand it, didn't like it, but he put in the work and made sure that he impacted as well as he could in that position. Um, I know after every loss that I was calling for him to move back into the midfield, as I'm sure a lot of other people were, because, I mean, it didn't really make sense to put an All-Australian midfielder who he didn't really seem like he was on the way out. I don't know if that's just, again, my optimistic frame of mind, but, yeah, uh, we're told that he, it was to maybe extend his career a little bit more, but I don't know, he, he wasn't on the back end, in my opinion, anyway. So, um, uh, but obviously there was a couple of things contributing to that decision and maybe weighing him and uh, Ken down a little bit in terms of structure and, you know, his best position. But at, at the end of 2018, as we all know, he stepped down as captain and I mean what came after that could you, know, you could not have predicted I oh, know I definitely could have couldn't have um and uh for those who've seen the original Space Jam uh you know for that uh, 2019 season um he must have drank Michael Jordan's halftime water because he just got put back into the midfield, um, obviously, leading, um, again, another slight change. At the uh, You know, we traded out some players, obviously the big one being Chad Wingard, and um, uh, he's moved in. We've had a, a, a... We've got these fresh faces coming in, and, yeah, uh, he moved back into the midfield and just had a blinder. His tooth... 2019, 2020, and now in 2021, he's having, you know, you could probably argue he's having better seasons uh, from a midfield point of view than he did in his better years um, from 2011 to 2014. Um, It's just amazing some of the numbers that he's putting up um, in this period. And again, like everyone's been talking about more so recently, um, with the focus being on him, it doesn't look like he's slowing down. Uh, and from my point of view, that's fantastic because, you know, uh, in from my opinion, uh, 2014 uh, was one that got away um, from us in regards to a premiership. And uh, I think the same could be said for last year, 2020, those two years in particular. I feel, in my personal opinion, we had an edge on the competition. Uh, and we didn't fully take advantage of it, um, and thus allowing the rest of the competition to catch up. Obviously, um, we're still waiting this year and potentially next year to see you know how far people have caught up. But uh, 2014, 2013, and 14, we were the, by far the fittest team and fastest team and had the best game plan. But you know, we didn't seal the deal and it's very hard as everyone it's very hard to win a premiership in the AFL especially these days with equalization and and the like and free agency um 
it's very hard. But I think of those years and then I think about players like Trevor Spoke um, and to uh, a similar extent, Robbie Gray and unfortunately Justin Westhoff is now retired. But I think of those players and um, I just think how deserving, in my opinion, they are and um, he is of winning that premiership medal for us. You know, I couldn't have... uh, Considering what we've already touched on in 2012, him backing the club and kind of being a front runner in in building it back up to where it should be. Um, You know, there's no one more deserving of sealing that deal and finishing his career with that as another highlight um, on his resume. You know, you know, you've got players like Nick Revolt comes to mind in the league. They are seen as great players. Um, but, you know, and maybe maybe it's not great a reason, but for some reason the whole AFL community separates the people that win premierships. And I guess, you know, <laughs> you can be a pretty average player in a grand final and win a premiership and, you know, you're just lucky. But, yeah, you know, winning a premiership, it, it just doesn't – for whatever reason, it sets you apart. But whether it's just or unjust, it doesn't matter in terms of Travis Boak deserving um, to be glorious on that final game um, of the AFL season. Um, I've kind of lived my whole football life along with Travis Boak. Um, It's kind of fitting that I was at his debut. I should have been at his 300th. Obviously, I'm very disappointed that uh, SA has um, been put into lockdown. Obviously, I understand it and I you know, agree with the measures that we're taking um, to keep it under wraps. But I'm very disappointed that I can't be there for this milestone game. It's obviously very important. And it's more important knowing that um, he equals Cancorn's record and he'll be the number one games holder come next round. But I went to his debut. I was there in his breakout game against Carlton in round 19. And now we're in round 19 um, for his milestone game this year. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so like I said, we, we had champions and I didn't get to uh, live um uh, or watch their careers closely um, of our previous premiership team. But th- this kind of, you know, Travis spoke a bit, he's my football life, basically. Um, and obviously one of my favourite players. Um, so, look, I congratulate the man. He's done amazing things for our football club and I'm forever be grateful for the sacrifice that he made um, all those years goes to stay um, and just wish him all the best um, for the game, his 300th against Collingwood um, and for the rest of his career. Um, there's very few people um, that deserve as much as him, but yeah, uh, he's one of the big ones for me and yeah, uh, good luck to him. Hope they get the win and, uh, yeah, hopefully to um, 
talk about the mighty power a bit more going forward. I hope I have uh, haven't rambled on too much um, and hope you've enjoyed it. So, yeah, go Boki, go the power, and uh, we'll see you next time.